I'd like to invite any of the children who are in the sanctuary to come join me up here for a few minutes. Oh, I forgot to put down my little animal circles. It's my favorite part. Tiger, rabbit, duck, snake, fox, sheep, another duck, and a lion. Lion can sit up here. And if we run out of circles, that's okay. Just spreading out a little bit. Oh, I'm so glad to see all of you this morning. And I'm still just, my heart is beating so fast after Mr. Kyle's song. It was so moving. It reminded me of all the different ways that we can praise God. We can use our bodies when we come to church in worship. We do that in a lot of different ways. Like when we pray... Sometimes we close our eyes and put our hands together like that because it helps us to not be distracted by a lot of different things and to make sure we're still and not doing anything except talking to God and listening to God. When we sing, we stand up usually if we can and we use our voices to praise God and sing loudly. After the sermon, we usually stand up and we say out loud what we believe. We believe in God together. This morning, we hear a story about some people who were praising God by dancing. Do you like to dance? Do any of you dance? Yeah, I love to dance. And it's okay to use your hands and your feet and your body to show your love for God and to praise God. You have dance tomorrow? Yay! Well, tomorrow when you're dancing, think, think about how God makes you happy and God makes us dance. Let's pray together. Gracious God, thank you for giving us bodies that we can use to praise you and worship you, to sing, to stand up and speak, to be quiet and listen, and to dance with joy. We pray all of this with joy in Jesus' name. Amen. And if you feel like dancing today in worship, you go right ahead. At 11 o'clock, we're going to have some people come and dance for us. So you've got to go home and watch that on the video maybe later this afternoon. Thank you so much. You can go back to your seats. Or if you're three to five years old, thank you so much. There's Pastor Brandon and Pastor Maggie, and they will take you to Children's Church in the chapel. Thank you so much. Good helpers. Thank you, thank you. This story that Henry just read for us is in many ways a happy story. It's a moment of such victory and joy and liberation. We're invited by Miriam and the women of Israel to dance at what God has done for the people of Israel. And I really wanted to focus this morning on, on that kind of joy and that kind of gratitude, the sort of unmeasured uh, joy of dancing in God's presence. But there's also something about this story that's a little troubling. And I, I felt like I couldn't just jump straight to the dancing without naming it and wrestling with it a little bit. We were picking out artwork for the cover of the bulletin, and one of the pictures I was really drawn to was painted by an artist named Laura James. 
and it has Miriam and some of the women of Israel dancing. And in the background there is red, the Red Sea with horse and chariot and soldiers dying in the Red Sea. It's a moment of triumph and joy for the people of Israel, but behind them is the Egyptian army drowned by the sea. And so I have trouble rejoicing and fully celebrating a moment of victory when, when there are those who have suffered in that same moment. How do we wrestle with questions like that in scripture? What do we do with stories like this? Well, rabbis and pastors and believers for centuries have wrestled with this story and others in the scriptures. And the best I can do is to claim that the God I have come to know as revealed to me in the scriptures of both the Old and New Testaments is a God of love and grace, a God who proclaims in the book of Genesis that God's will is to bless all the nations of the earth. I read this story through the, the light of Christ who taught us to love our enemies and pray for those who persecute us, who even in his dying breath on the cross said, Forgive them, Father, for they do not know what they are doing. And so that helps me. But what helped me a lot this week was as we gathered in Bible study and wrestled with the, the darker side of this story, was when someone mentioned that Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. had preached on this very story. It was on the second anniversary of the Brown versus Board of Education Supreme Court decision, which had put an end to legal segregation once and for all in the United States. And so he talked about this story and he puts it so much more beautifully than I ever could. And so if you'll allow me, I'd like you to read just a little bit of Dr. King's sermon. The title is The Death of Evil Upon the Seashore. This story symbolizes something basic about the universe. It symbolizes something much deeper than the drowning of a few people, for no one can rejoice at the death or the defeat of a human person. This story at bottom symbolizes the death of evil. It was the death of inhuman oppression and ungodly exploitation. The death of the Egyptian army upon the seashore is a glaring symbol of the ultimate doom of evil in its struggle with good. There's something in the very nature of the universe which is on the side of Israel in its struggle with every Egypt. There is something in the very nature of the universe which ultimately comes to the aid of goodness in its perennial struggle with evil. And then he goes on to say this, let us remember that as we struggle against Egypt, we must have love, compassion, and understanding goodwill for those against whom we struggle, helping them to realize that as we seek to defeat the evils of Egypt, we are not seeking to defeat them, but to help them as well as ourselves. He points to that deep truth that my liberation is tied up with your liberation. Until you are free, I am not free. Until Israel is free, Egypt cannot be free. I was so grateful for this powerful word from Dr. King. 
And so it gave me what I needed to go back to this story and to begin to see the power of the dance of Miriam. If we remember the circumstances of Israel in this moment, for 400 years they had lived under the the system of oppression poured on them by Egypt, forced labor, slavery, even to the point, right up until Moses is called to be a prophet, even to the point of genocide, where the Pharaoh had issued the decree that every male child born to the Hebrew women was to be killed. And so we can imagine the life that the Israelites led, the oppression that they were under. And God called up Moses, and Moses went to Pharaoh ten times, asking Pharaoh, giving Pharaoh the chance at liberation. And each time, Pharaoh refused. The final time, Pharaoh said, fine, go, because things had gotten so bad. And the people of Israel began to make their way toward the Red Sea, toward freedom, and Pharaoh changed his mind. And he sent the army after them. So here they are, trying to escape the enslavement of Egypt. In front of them is the Red Sea, this vast body of water. And coming up on their heels are the wheels and horse hooves of the Egyptian army bearing down on them, threatening to drag them back into slavery. It seems like there's no way out. And then, through the power of God, the Red Sea parts, and the people find their way out. It is a miracle a moment of stunning rescue and liberation. So it is no wonder that these people who thought there was no way out rejoice and dance that God has made a way when there was no way. And so as I read this story now, I, I start tapping my feet. I want to dance with them. I want to take the time to celebrate this amazing liberation that God has brought to this oppressed people and to celebrate the end of that system of oppression that had kept them down for 400 years and to thank God that they stopped to praise God and to dance. That's something that Miriam and these women teach us. Because you know their journey's not over. It's really just beginning. They have 40 more years of wandering in the wilderness before they arrive in the promised land. And this whole generation, including Moses and Miriam, will not live to see that day. But they take this moment to stop and to dance and to praise God who made a way when there was no way. They danced along the way. If we go back and hear more of Dr. King's sermon from 1956, he talks about the journey of liberation is long. They celebrated this triumph of Brown versus Board of Education, but the work was not over. There was still so much to do, and yet it was important to stop and praise God and celebrate and sing and dance along the way. And we need that too in our journey. 
in the work that we are doing as a congregation and in our lives to participate in the liberating work that God is doing in our world, we need to stop and sing and dance along the way. In some ways, that's what Sunday's all about. In our Wednesday night class, Matthew Downton pointed out that this text of the parting of the Red Sea is read in some Christian traditions every year on the night leading from Saturday night into Easter morning. Because like the resurrection, it is a freedom from evil, freedom from the tomb. As the people of Israel are released from enslavement in Egypt, Jesus is released from the darkness of the tomb. And every Sunday is a little Easter. Every Sunday gives us a chance to come and celebrate our freedom from bondage to sin and death, to celebrate the ways that God is continuing to work in the world to end oppression, to bring down the systems that keep some people down and uphold other people's privilege. It's the work that we are called to do. Now, how we do that work together as a congregation, how each one of you does that work in your own lives may look different, but it's all part of God's purpose to set us all free, to build up the kingdom of God in which all people can thrive and flourish, a kingdom of love and equity and justice and peace where there is no more oppression, where there is no more racism, where there are no more structures that keep people down. So my friends, it's Sunday morning. It's time for us to sing and dance.